where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello everyone, welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. This week we're looking at Series 9, Episode 6, which is called Grease. Uh, I'm Barry and with me is James. Grease indeed. You know, it's got groove, but more importantly, it's got meaning, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It it aired on the 25th of October, 1990. It was directed by James Burroughs and written by Brian Pollock and Mert Rich. It's a very farcical episode, I think. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's silly. There's no high stakes. It's just There is high stakes. I think you're well, fine. Yes, uh, forgive the pun, uh, or at least the recognition of a pun. Uh, we'll come to why stakes become important uh, a little bit later. So how does it start, James? What's our cold open? Our cold open is that Rebecca is in a bad mood. Frasier offers to help because he's a you know a counsellor, a psychiatrist, etc. Mm, offering out free tidbits uh, of advice outside of work. Isn't he nice? Yeah, but I think he'll have a limit. <laughs> <laughs> She's initially reluctant, uh, you know, because uh, she's seen his foolishness. Mm. <laughs> you know, I am running with scissors uh, type type deal. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. she does eventually agree and, and she lays out all that's troubling her. Yes. Yeah. There's. Uh, she's not very happy with uh, her life, career, love life. Uh, and now she has to sell her car as well. All right, Fraser. It's just that I can't seem to make anything work. Robin is in prison. I manage this crummy bar. My career is at a standstill. I'm miserable. I'm lonely. And now I have to sell my Mercedes. I see. Mm. And Fraser jumps at the offer to heal her woes by offering her $5,000 for the car. I'll give you $5,000 cash and take off your payments. 6000 firm. Deal. Thank you. Damn, it's good to heal. She doesn't sound like a much. Does it? But obviously inflation and all that. Yeah, yeah. It's strange, isn't it? I, it? Things are definitely, in the last 20 years, 30 years, things have accelerated more than you think. Yeah. Uh, um, I, it always amazes me when I talk to parents about the price of things, houses particularly. It's gone pretty crazy. It's increased exponentially uh, over, over time, but the boom in the 80s, caused an acceleration a big one mm. yeah so anyway she she doesn't take five but she takes six and he jumps at it swift negotiating he's <laughs> very swift our cold open which doesn't really reflect the episode in any way but is a, a a fun opening one of the first things that happens in the main episode is that uh the prisoners at whatever prison bobbin is at I don't know what it's called, but I know it's not called Robin Island. <laughs> well, that would be a good uh, a good place for them to start. <laughs> yeah, that is a prison, as I'm, I'm sure you're fully aware, but it's, it's not in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> Robin and the other prisoners are doing their community service, uh, picking up trash uh, on, on the streets of Boston. Yes, they are. And uh, Carla likes this, doesn't she? She likes ogling men, and she likes men ogling her. She, yeah. She's a simple woman. <laughs> and she likes to turn the gender power dynamics on the head as well. Very much so. Well, Rebecca's 
at an impasse because she doesn't know whether to go see Robin uh, because of how it could affect his emotions or, or other prisoners could bully him. Basically, you know, she wants to make him feel better, but, you know, if he's going to get harassed uh, because of attention he'll receive while on trash duty, then she'd uh, rather not. Carla, meanwhile, qualmless. As in, she has no qualm. <laughs> that was, a, was that pause for you or, or for us? <laughs> Were you trying to work out whether that word was suitable? It was a pause because I, uh, I, I heard no response, so I felt I had to explain. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I, I was perfectly happy with the word, James. Carry yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, she she lacks qualm in uh, basically uh, giving the prisoners a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's out there cleaning cars. She's wolf whistling them and shouting little cheeky lines at them, isn't she? Raunchy, sleazy come-ons is yeah. uh, how she faces it. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Carla. So that's that's what Carla's up to this episode. Cliff and Woody, meanwhile, return from Wednesday ribscapade at the Hungry Heifer. Yeah, they've had a uh, an indulgent time, it seems. But Norm hasn't joined them back. No, no, Norm is wallowing in in. Well, let's say he's he's mopping his gravy tears. Ooh, well, that, if, uh, that's not how special. I don't know what he's. <laughs> is it just just with just with a nice cold slab of beef? <laughs> just gently running it across his cheeks. Yeah. So Norm's distressed because uh, the hungry heifer is closing down. Yeah, which is a real shame. No, it does seem a real shame, but given that this is the first time I've heard of the hungry heifer, uh, of course, yeah. I'm uh, my distress is low. It's a meaty buffet, basically it, a meat a meat house. That's, yeah. Let's not you <laughs> a restaurant which specialises in large amounts of meat. Have you been to a churrascaria? I like a churrascaria. Uh, no, is that the... It's a Brazilian type of restaurant where they come across with meat served on swords. And you've just got a little sign either saying Simon now, depending on whether you want them to keep serving you meat. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, there is a salad bar, but I think one would be foolish to fill up on the salad bar. I once went to a Chinese buffet and I saw a guy who had a plate of lettuce and I was appalled. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting your money's worth there. I, I went to a Chinese buffet to see an entire family eating chicken nuggets and chips. And given that the entry fee could have bought you 10 visits to a you know, a McDonald's to get chicken nuggets and chips. Uh, I was amazed. We need to strategize. I have learned, do not have a pint of Guinness before going to a buffet. I was still able to eat, you know, a full plate and use that, you know, at a buffet, I pile on, you know, uh, and and ha then have a dessert. But, oh, I was feeling worse for wear. <laughs> yeah. For those uninitiated in a Guinness, it's a meal of itself. It's a calorific drink. Mm. I was trying to think of a better way to phrase it. It's like black yogurt. Like a malt, a malt shake. Is that what they're called? You know, the, those really thick milkshakes. You wouldn't say, oh, I'm thirsty. I'll have a <laughs> one of them. <laughs> <laughs> well then, but you still managed it, James, as I am I knew you would. Yeah, I, I am a, a devourer. Of worlds. <laughs> <laughs> Some eldritch tapeworm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Norm's feeling a bit morose about uh, this steakhouse uh, closing down. 
So he, he comes into Cheers and he's upset and they can tell he's upset. They can tell he's wallowing. They give him a free beer. They try serving him bar snacks. But before he came in, Sam was like, now nobody say anything about that that could set him off, you know, like meat or steak or beef or anything like this. Good advice. Very good advice. Uh, except when you've got Woody in the room, who uh, <laughs> is very suggestible. And uh, that word is obviously hovering right on the tip of his lips uh, from the moment Norm walks in. Yeah. Yeah. How about some of these extra salty pretzels you so heartily enjoy, eh? You're welcome to share some of my beer nuts if you like. Meat! Everybody was speaking it. I was the only one who had the guts to say it. Red rag to a cow, you might say. Yeah. But the other thing that uh, that exchange reminded me of was, have I told you about when a motivational speaker came into school uh, and one of the people in my, uh, and this was in, in high school, one of the other people in uh, one of my classmates said uh, the manliest list the motivational speaker has ever heard. The, the manliest list? Yeah, have I told you about this? No. Basically, he was asking people about, about like this motivational speaker who comes into schools, you know, does the whole welcome back Cotter thing where he puts the chair backwards and went, don't do drugs, kids, that guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he went, he went to people, you know, he was trying to figure out what people's hobbies and interests are. And he went to this one guy uh, with a thick Dundee accent, which I won't be able to do, but I'll try. He went, so what do you like? And he went, and he took out his hand and listed three things. He went, meat, beer, sex. <laughs> This is at school. Yeah. And the motivational speaker laughed and went, that's the manliest list I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, you know, it, you know, it's perfectly legal. We were uh, 17 at the time, 16, 17. So, you know, it wasn't anything that had to have a disciplining meeting with teachers, but it was, yeah. Yeah. You, you keep an eye on it, I think. But it was, uh, yeah, certainly nothing that you needed to call parents about and be like, they said this word. <laughs> yeah. You know, at that age in the UK, perfectly legal to talk about that. Yes. That was an interesting story, James. I thought it was a funny story, but Norm, despite this interjection by Woody, is uh, feeling wistful, isn't he, Barry? He is, yes. Well, we can understand why. When when asked why the Hungry Heifer is so special, uh, Cliff explains that they have a you-keep-the-hoof you night. <laughs> Gristle Tuesdays, everyone. <laughs> T-bone Tuesdays. That's that's well, it, it's got to be, isn't it? Flank Friday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shank uh, Saturday. Yeah, that'll do. Although you've now limited Sunday. Sunday most. Well, very nice, James. Yeah. Well, it seems that Norm is on morning Monday. Um, He's struggling with the idea that the uh, hungry heifer will close down, and nothing seems to be. Uh, Cheering him up? No, well, he'll miss the owner as well, won't he? Mm, yes. Sid, Sid Nelson is the is the name we're given. Tough on the outside, soft and mushy on the inside. Always there for Norm. Just like his food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fraser suggests that when one is grieving something that is lost, you know, anything that's lost, even if it is a place that one won't visit again, then it can be useful to find a way to secure one's own immortality, whether that's 
saving the heifer or some other charitable cause. And Fraser says the biggest way is to start a family. Yes. Um, and at this point, Norm's eyes light up and he gets up with some uh, verve and says, I'm going to do it. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to save the heifer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, and his response to uh, what about the family is, uh, you do it. <laughs> I think Fraser's got a point, though. I'm, I'm relatively young, but I think there's something there in the preservation of legacy and recognition, which isn't due to fame. I don't, I'm not necessarily interested in fame, but it's being recognised on something which supersedes one's own lifetime. Yes. And I think there's something which a lot of people desire from that. Well, the internet has kind of provided this almost permanent record that we can all write to. The only sort of caveat is that because everyone can write to it, it's become such an impenetrable mess of content. Mm. Um, So thank you for choosing this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Amazed (laughs) that you found us. (laughs) What do you see your... Your legacy as being James. Well, I hope this podcast has uh, <laughs> some influence, but I don't know. I think, uh, oh, that was much too philosophical a question for this podcast, but I'd try different things and hope that I'm remembered for them. Mm. You know, I think it's a fool's errand to, particularly when one is at a relatively early stage in, in their life, to prescribe themselves to, to one ideal. People can find success very early, but that's, despite what we see in in celebrity media, not as common as we are led to believe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, as someone who's just recently had a child, that's changed my perspective on legacy. Yeah. I still have the creative itch, as we all do, uh, to put something out there, but it's become less important. (laughs) <laughs> this episode has gone very soulful mm, for Simon, which is primarily about a steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but a steakhouse that has captured Norm's soul. Yeah, and his arteries. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, Sam is relishing the fact uh, that Robin's doing community service. And at first he pretends to care and pretends to support Rebecca. I'll say that this facade does not go on for very long. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, he's he quickly starts to revel in the fact that um uh, and and just take the mickey, really. Yeah. So uh, Rebecca's constantly asking about Robin. She doesn't want to go out there. Carla tells her that uh he's been pushed around by some guard named Vince with the big muscles and uh when pressed Carla's answer is more about the uh, Vince's muscles and response to her than it is about Robin. Carla, how's it going out there? How does Robin look? Okay. He was being pushed around by this big old hunk of a guard. His name is Vince, and he has got some muscles. I'm telling you, he could snap Robin's neck like a number two pencil. But he didn't hurt Robin, did he? I mean, Robin's okay, isn't he? Yeah, sure, whatever. Anyway, then this... uh... Vince, he gets a load of me and my bucket of suds and he starts flexing. But Robin, Robin, he gets dehydrated easily. Robin, 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 so your boyfriend's in prison. Boo-hoo! Can't you be happy for someone else for a change? Yeah, Carla, Carla 
doesn't really care about about Robin. He's just some uh, pasty, <laughs> pasty weirdo. Yeah. But Carla does suggest Rebecca join in on washing cars so that she can treat Robin to that visual spectacle. And although it's a bit of a sordid suggestion, I do see the logic in it because it's something that she's treating Robin to, but he won't be bullied because she's not treating him specifically to it. Yeah. Um, but maybe yeah. that's more Carla's style than Rebecca's. Yeah, and, and there's there's value in reminding him that she's there. He's a man, I'm sure, that uh, adding a little bit of sauce into that uh, sandwich would probably suit him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we were continuing the food metaphor because of the A plot, but yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> Norm starts a petition to save the heifer. He does, um, which, uh, given his aching wrist... It sounds like his, his mostly made-up signatures. Yes, exactly. I would put them in with punny names. There's someone I know. Uh, he hosts another podcast, by the way, called Hallmark of Greatness, where him and some other guys talk about Hallmark films, you know, the, a different mm. Hallmark film every episode, in an amusing way. This, this Our podcast isn't just to market other podcasts, but, you know, he's a, he's a funny guy. So check it out. Um, but what he does whenever we're playing, you know, online games together, he chooses his name to be a man's uh, first name, and then a, and then their surname is a type of meat, uh, <laughs> like Joe Beef. <laughs> um, and my favorite one is Ian Veal. <laughs> Very good. It's a pun on a soap opera character. Yeah, I do love a good punny name. I, I remember working in a call centre years ago and we had all sorts of strange names that we'd have to call, but my absolute favourite was a lady called Linda Hoy. <laughs> but despite Norm's petition, he realises that it might not be the only way, so he's going around town with a with a ballard, isn't he? He has a, a sandwich board. That's the word, yeah. Um, and, with and- a tasty Norm filling. With a tasty norm filling, yeah. And what what's the sign say, James? Uh, save the heifer. Save the heifer, which for a big man, <laughs> a lot of people might find that quite amusing with him walking around in that. He said he's not used it for a while. And when he turns around, we see how long he's not used it for. Yes. Because uh, the other side said all the way with JFK. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, I'm sure there's still fans uh, who would uh, appreciate the rump on that sign uh, as much as the front. <laughs> nice way to put it. So what happens, James? Well, Rebecca announces she can't stand thinking of Robin spending all day in the blazing sun. And this cues Sam to play a song which is more fitting in the original cut than it is on re-releases uh, because they changed it. Oh. Mm. Um, could you guess what the song originally was? Oh. Uh, something, it's something to do with is corporal punishment the correct word? Yeah. Oh. But got punk vibes to it, or or a version thereof has punk vibes to it. They didn't play the punk version, but I think they played the original version. No, I don't know, James. The song they played was Bobby Fuller 4 playing I Fought the Law, as in smashing rocks in the hot sun, I Fought the Law and the Law 1. Oh, yeah. And so what was it changed to? Some generic pop song. Ah, <laughs> interestingly, the version I had had I Fought the Law on it. I probably watched it on some knockoff internet channel no. <laughs> somewhere. It's, it's supposed to be I Fought the Law and the Law won. Yes. Yeah. 
Interesting that they replaced it. It was to do with rights, music rights. Uh, ah, I see. Okay. Uh, but I thought the law much more fitting mm. because it was cued by a specific song. How long do you think Sam was waiting there going, oh, oh, you, you can't, can't stand thinking of him spending all day in, in the hot sun. And what's he doing? Oh, he's smashing rocks. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And not only he came prepared because he's got a, a separate uh, hi-fi uh, just in case the jukebox stopped working. But that song becomes very prescient later. So Norm has saved the hungry heifer. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. And what is it that uh, allows it to remain standing, James? Well, this is interesting. Firstly, Norm comes in, wants to buy a beer for everyone. Slightly after uh, Cliff and Fraser want to go and play a game of pool. And then they say, <laughs> great, great line, great wordplay, where they go, uh, Carl is keeping a guard on the pool table. And they go, why? And he goes, I guess because she likes him. <laughs> uh, she's finally drawn someone in. <laughs> but Norm, Norm wants to uh, celebrate and buy everyone a beer, which is unusual. And I mm-hmm. hope he doesn't just put it on his tab, you know. But why it's successful is that the heifer has a USP and therefore it could make it a uh, national landmark. Yeah, it uh, is the only building with a giant red-eyed steam-snorting bull on the roof. Yeah. Now, interestingly, there is a suggestion here that Norm may have had a, a role in removing any other buildings that might qualify for similar status. Mm. There's a term for what Norm would have if he did that. Uh, go on, James. A load of bull. Oh, hey! hey. <laughs> yeah, there are several other buildings that have similar features, uh, and they've all very recently lost their features for one reason or another. Uh, it's never picked up on, uh, but it's suggested. <laughs> yeah, it's it's implied. Norm had a... Had a hoof in that, yeah. But Norm invites them all to the Hungry Heifer for dinner, even the exclusive Big Eater's Circle. Yes, they don't last long, so there's regular openings. I'm not a fan of eating a lot these days. I grew up, uh, my dad's northern, and the uh, I wouldn't say it's just northerners, but he was raised with an eat-everything-on-your-plate attitude. Well, yeah, because you don't know when you could buy it again. You yeah. don't know when you'd have the money to buy it again. So, yeah. so that has passed down to me, but it's unnecessary these days. Um, well, I I did have words with you the other day, and I almost uh, went <laughs> northern because my fam- my mother's family is from Yorkshire, and I, when I saw Barry not finish a meal, and I almost went putting that away now, are you? <laughs> <laughs> People in Africa would want <laughs> starving lad. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I had a very big burrito, and the chap sitting next to me actually it was John John sitting next to me. Uh, who had just finished his and looked like he might not be awake for much longer. <laughs> and so my decision not to eat all of it saved me an afternoon of uh, sort of difficult work straining against sleep. So I think I made the right decision. Yeah, and I, I went, you got a bit left there, Barry. And John <laughs> went, are you going to really eat that? And I went, no, I suggest that Barry wrap it up and save it for later as a post-work treat. <laughs> <laughs> and this garnered mixed reactions. Some people were like, what's wrong with you, James? And other people went, no, what are you saying makes sense? Yeah, it did make sense. And I, I certainly am not one for waste, but these days I won't stuff myself <laughs> because I, I feel quite 
I don't like the feeling anymore. So the idea of a, yeah, takeaways are too big. You just can't fight this feeling anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it musical. Yeah, always, always. So where are we? Well, Norm thinks that, although it's exclusive, uh, they do drop dead about once a week. So thinks he's got a shot at, at this exclusive uh, circle. Meanwhile, Sam is doing a one-man fashion show. Yes, he is. Uh, he's dressed up as one of the day leave prisoners. We'll put the quote in. Frazier says where he's narrating this. I bought some new clothes. I like a woman's point of view. Fine, let's see him. Hit it, Frazier. <laughs> <laughs> Our model, Sam, is sporting the latest in big house chic. This ensemble is equally appropriate for playing the harmonica or just crushing rocks. It comes complete with anklet and matching trash kebab made popular by billionaire swindler Robin Colcord. You think you're hilarious, don't you, Steve? Well, I bring the party with me, don't I, babe? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, this outfit is a matching set of uh, tattoos. Reading, born and raised hell, and uh, it's society's fault. <laughs> you guys, don't encourage him. It's not exactly... Balenciaga, is, is that how it's pronounced? Sure. I'm trying to sound cultured. Tell you what, Ted Danson can do the fashion walk quite well. Yeah, yeah, he's got a bit of a swing to him. I like the way he uh, rotates that ball in the air. Yeah. Uh, which will make no sense on a podcast, but he's <laughs> he has a ball and chain that he's swinging around quite theatrically. You know, Rebecca is, is obviously displeased by it. My favourite part of the fashion show was... The impression of Robin. <laughs> Which is a very... <laughs> Dick Van Dyke. It, yeah, it's what we've come to be used to from a lot of campy American versions of our accent. And and as James says, Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins is the perfect example. Guys, 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 look at this. Quick impression of Robin Colcorn. Blimey, there's a lot of trash on the ground, isn't there? Well, I'll just have to impale it and flush it down the loo. <laughs> People criticised Oscar Isaac for doing it in um, Moon Knight, but it wasn't too bad, that one. I thought I thought that was genuinely good. And I, I actually, it sounded much more like Man Off the Street in London. It was a bit, I forgot the actor's name, but a bit Some Mothers Do Have Them. Mm, yeah, a little bit. Like a carry-on cast member, which is a you know exaggerated, over-the-top accent, but an accurate British one. Mm, yeah. <laughs> After a few episodes, I believed it. I was happy with it. Sam's fashion show comes to an abrupt end, though, when he encounters Vince. Vince, the previously horizontal pool player. Well, that's just implied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a big guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. And because uh, he does, he measures up to Sam, doesn't he? Who's uh, And Sam stabs him in the foot with his litter picker. Not because Vince comes out to him and Sam wasn't like, I can take you. No, accidentally, he, uh, he stabs him in the foot. Yes, he's, he's parading around and turns around theatrically, doesn't notice the guards there. And as such, Vince wants to put him in the hole or, or the solitary confinement, or basically he thinks that Sam's a wrongan. And he's dressed like a wrongan, so half the decision's made for him. Luckily, though, Sam escapes. And makes it to the heifer. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't cut on onto that. He's supposed to be kept in for the night, and then in the next scene he's at the table. 
Yeah, let's say it's a daring escape. Yeah, I like to think that. He's jumped the fence, James. He's climbed through a tunnel of uh, effluent. <laughs> Hopefully he had a wash before he arrived at the uh, the Hungry Heifer. But the whole gang is in tow to uh, celebrate with Norm because the Hungry Heifer is staying open. That's good. Except he tells Sid and Sid, no. No, Sid, Sid runs out the room, doesn't he? Sid runs out the room and into the kitchen starts pouring a jerry can over everything. Yeah. Uh, which we can only assume it's petrol or lighter fluid or, or grease. or It's a highly flammable liquid. Yes. And Sid decides that his only way out now is through insurance fraud. Yeah. And before we find out how uh, the stakes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is the restaurant going to be well done or is it? will it remain rare? That's very well put because it's got a USP and therefore yeah. it is rare. You're a clever one. But before we find out, let's talk about the cast list, shall we? Yes, please. Sheldon Leonard as Sid Nelson. Now, Sheldon's an interesting guy. Uh, this is his penultimate film and TV role. He also starred in Tall, Dark and Handsome, Private Flat, Tortilla Flat, Trocadero, To Have and Have Not, Crime Incorporated, Zombies on Broadway, The Gentleman Misbehaves, It's a Wonderful Life, The Fabulous Joe, I Love Lucy, The Bob Hope Show, The Dick Van Dyke Show, Sanford and Son, Matlock, Murder, She Wrote, and many more. He was also a producer of The Dick Van Dyke Show, The Andy Griffith Show, I Spy, Gomer Poyle, USMC, and many more. So interesting guy. John Patrick Rager as Vince he also appeared in Hot Dog the Movie, Knight Rider, Nightingales, Alien Nation, L.A. Log, Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, and others. Susan Vance, Don Bennett, and Joan Carey, and James Davison are all uncredited as bar patrons. Max Delgado is uncredited as bar patron. He last appeared in Season 2, Episode 12, Where There's a Will. Katie Graves is uncredited as bar patron. Garth Green is uncredited as restaurant patron. And Alan Hugo and Sarah Jane are also uncredited as bar patrons. Now, these are all people who have appeared in many previous episodes and usually performed as stand-ins for the various cast members. Norm bursts into the, the kitchen, doesn't he? He does. Sid, what are you doing? Yeah, for Sid, he wants out. He's had too much meat in his life. It now just reminds him of ill health. This is the 90s, Norm. <laughs> yeah, he sees all these gluttonous meat eaters as almost victims of his... A coronary on a stick. Yeah, so he wants out. His way out was he was going to get three times the value of the place by the developers who were knocking it down. But Norm's ruined it. Yeah, and there's kind of sweet moments where they talk about how they share that father-son bond. But I love Sit's catchphrase of light the match. <laughs> light the match. And there's no way I'm going to let you go through with this. You mean too much to me. All right? I mean, look, I never said this to my, to my own father, but I, I love you, Sid. Hey, I didn't know you felt like that, no? Yeah. Gee, I love you, too. Thank you, sir. Light the match. Would you stop with the matches, Sid? Just stop with it. Norm comes back to the group and explains that he's persuaded Sid to remain open and he's going to become a healthier restaurant. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. It's like a chilliscaria. Put some salad options there, you know. Oh, it's like a buffet. Allow people to have a plate full of lettuce, but still judge them if they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But unfortunately, he's not serious. So he has a young member of the staff in the kitchen with him as we see smoke billowing out from the door and someone else has become his real adopted son yeah, rather than Norm. Gus, the bus boy, who we don't have an actor's name for. So Gus, if you're out there, let it be known. I hope he made it out. Well, yeah, otherwise that's a real downer on uh, yeah. this episode. But it's been a soulful episode. It would be a shame to end it with, and Gus died in the fire. Maybe he's the greatest method actor ever. Still quite a dark way to end the episode. But just... Well, uh, well done, Gus. <laughs> How do you like your Gus? <laughs> I don't... Let's not endorse setting oneself ablaze. <laughs> the episode ends with everyone shouting fire and presumably getting out of the restaurant safely. Hmm? Yes, let's go with that. Although we don't discuss future episodes, as it is now the future, we are aware that those episodes exist. So let's say everyone made it out safely. Yeah. Cliff, there you are. Oh, smelling a bit smoky, Cliff. I think he smells delightful. I think he smells like a ribs cooked to perfection. Hmm? Oh, Thanks, Cliff. Before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. Even this letter is a bit hot, hot off the press, you could say. (laughs) Uh, Has he got some facts for us there, James? Near the start of the episode, as we say, Cliff and uh, Woody and Norm come in and Frasier is there in the bar alone and he misses the kind of idle chit chat. And he picks up a newspaper. What two articles does Fraser find in the newspaper? Oh, I'm way ahead of you, James. Barometric pressure on... Oh, which planet is it? Venus? It is Venus. Oh, yes. I don't know why this is news. No, we'd assume that pressure exists anywhere <laughs> with an atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, and the other one? And the other one is a man is reunited with his twin after 30 years. And it turns out they were working in the same car plant. Where? Columbus, Ohio. Yes. I got it all, James. I got it all. Full points to Barry. When parading around in his prisoner uniform, Mm. uh, Sam has two tattoos uh, on his arms. Uh, What do they say? My first thought was going to be live free and die hard, but it's not that. (laughs) (laughs) It's, um, I, I did have it somewhere born to raise hell and it's society's fault hopefully with both apostrophes in the right place although it's an easily correctable mistake yeah just put another apostrophe in mate Mm. cheers um (laughs) that'll be 80 bucks carla returns car keys to various members uh, around the bar because of the washing of the car what kind of car does phil own i'm looking for a color and the company okay it's a cadillac it is a cadillac in powder blue Ooh, he's on it this episode isn't he i am i've got it i've got it all down what are some other buildings that had a giant red-eyed steam snorting bull on their roof now you can double your points by naming the restaurant and uh the reason it is no longer there vague as the reason might be now, I will just say that, no, I can't double my points <laughs> uh, because I don't know. Uh, I remember the list and the reasons, but 
unfortunately, I can't give you an answer, James. So you remember them, but you're just refusing to talk. (laughs) That would be what it sounded like, but no, I I know nothing. Hub's Steak Hut, it's gone. The bull. Lucky Chucky's Chuck House, struck by lightning, apparently. And Bill's place for steak is that it was stolen, which is mighty convenient there, Norm. I'm not sure how Norm generates lightning, but he certainly feels like he had a hand in the other two. There is a punny sign on the outside of the hungry heifer in the establishing shot just before the final scene. What does it say? Oh, oh, you got me. And I did see this as well. No, you have to give it to me. So long, Sid, we'll meet again. Yes. <laughs> Don't know where. Don't know when. Some sunny day. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Thank you, James. Ironically, by Vera, isn't it? Ah. Yeah. By Vera Lynn, yes. Not, not Vera Peterson. The connection remains. Well, I guess that's last call. What are we, what are we having, then? Oh, that's a good good question. Bovril? Bovril? <laughs> Fudge volcano? <laughs> Yeah, that did look sizable. That would have finished him off on its own. Tell you what, why not Wednesday ribscapade? Because then I can schedule that for Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday ribscapade with a uh, a hot bovril. Stop it. Compliment. (laughs) You know, bovril, right? The word comes from a a novel called The Coming Race by Edward Bulwer-Lytton. And it's because there is an elixir in said book called Vril. Uh, which is sort of a powerful elixir in a similar way that that, that spice is in the Dune novels. Mm, yeah. Right? Bo or bov means good from Latin. So bov, vril, you know? Wow. James, you're the only man I know who would have a fact about bovril <laughs> ready to go. I, I like collecting facts like uh, philatelists do stamps, you know? <laughs> Oh, there you go. Well, cheers. Let's clink together our mugs of warm, beefy... Goodness. This is disgusting. Yeah. And uh, and say cheers. Cheers. Cheers.